Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Browner and Lawhead. I'm John Browner. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, the one and only Jason Lawhead. Jason, what's up, brother? I'm not wearing a hat. What is happening here? The show is taking a turn to start. What's going on, brother? Yesterday we were matching like we were going to the mall together, and then uh, today we're you got the hoodie on. I got the Masters. The hat that you love to make Favorite jokes. Like I, got my ma- I got my Masters 2022 support the PGA oh, Tour. Okay. Even though yeah, it's yeah. not really a PGA Tour uh, sanction. Like basically, the Masters own their own. They own. They own the rec. They own the rights and the Masters. They're the like Masters uh, you know. Ray, they're like Ray Charles. They're like what the deal Ray Charles did with ABC. They're the, they're they the Prince of Golf. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, man. Last day of the last show of the week for us. Uh, game three tipping off. I'm just hoping for like a full 48 minutes of basketball that I can enjoy. Finally, I want, can, can a game go down to the wire? Can a game like the first half was great. The other night, that game two first half was good NBA finals basketball, but it just didn't carry over. So I'm looking for that hopefully tonight. And, uh, yeah, lots of talk about heading into the weekend. Um, you know, my Browns are a mess again. We'll get to that. Whatever. So. For people just joining the show, we're Browner and Lawhead. We are on the Mightier 1090 ESPN. We are available via the iTunes podcast store and YouTube under the Kaplan and Crew banner. You can find us Monday through Wednesday right here from 6 to 7 p.m. On today's show, we're talking at how much can you buy an NFL team for if you own Walmart. Uh, is an excuse from a doctor's note as good as an excuse from the team owner? What's going to happen tonight with the Warriors and the Celtics? But I got to start with a small piece of public commentary. Can is an interesting thing. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. That's the beauty of what we call the United States of America. You can own a weapon of war. You can own a car. You can be a football coach in charge of men, regardless of race, height, weight, and be completely ignorant and a, a jackass when it comes to something that is a threat to all of us. What the hell am I talking about? You may ask. Can I explain? Please, Please enter one Jack Del Rio, defensive coordinator. For what I'm guessing is the commanders of Washington. Why are we not looking into those things? Because it's kind of hard for me to say I can realistically look at it. I see the images on TV. People's livelihoods are being destroyed. Businesses are being burned down. No problem. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol. Well, there's nothing burned down. (laughs) And we're not going to talk about, we're going to make that a major deal. I just think... It's kind of two standards. And if we apply the same standard and we're going to be reasonable with each other, let's have a discussion. That's all it was. Let's have a discussion. We're Americans. Let's talk it through. I'm for, I'm for us, you know, having a great opportunity to have a fulfilled life. Uh, like I said, every, way, every which way I can, when I'm here, it's about love and respect. I love my guys. I respect my guys. Uh, but I also love the fact that I'm an American, and that means I'm free to express myself. And I'm not. Yes, that's correct. 
Do you want to go first or would you like me? I mean, I don't have much to say about it because it's very just like a it's such a bland defense of saying that that's a dust up and I, I mean, I, I don't get it if he if he loves America, if he loves it. these people that love America, but then they just are like, ah, yeah, that was nothing. I, I just it, it once that is established in the opinion, he loses anything, and then it's just kind of like I just want us to go on and live a life of fulfillment, and it's like remember that line from Airplane when uh, uh, he's lying to everybody, uh, the doctor Leslie Nielsen, and his nose starts growing as he's saying everything's fine, the 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 pilots are fine, we are they're there to live a life of fulfillment, and it just once so once that is the like. Um, this is what I have to say. I love America, but that's just nothing over there. Uh, you know, and to just use the whole, well, well no, no, I mean, look at that. That all happened. And not, well, actually, the DOJ did an investigation. They piled up all the claims and the insurance claims and, and all that kind of stuff. So that stuff was rounded out. Thousands of people were arrested and incarcerated and treated terribly in their jail cells like they deserved to be, I guess. You know, like, just like, whatever. So... I guess there I just go, uh, whatever. I, I stop listening and then it just becomes a ramble from him. It's like after he's just pom-poming for his rights of free speech, it's just blah, 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 blah. to me. That's, that's, the, you know, the, the it doesn't right surprise of, me. I mean, I, I it's just, you know, nothing surprises me with this right whole thing. right of free speech also opens the door for the right of public criticism. Mm -hmm. I gotta tell you, Jack Del Rio, you sound stupid. I didn't know much about you beforehand, and you can disagree on what the origins of the January 6th situation was. You can have your own opinion on it, but to call it a dust-up and compare it to the protest in which George Floyd's, uh, followed the George Floyd murders, to compare the two things, it's not only false, it's also stupid, stupid, because I'm going to use simple words to try to reach this very simple man. If he thought that this was a dust up, the day of two people died, the day of the quote unquote dust up, police were dragged out of the Capitol and B, there's capital testimony about this. Oh, they didn't burn anything. They attempted to overthrow the government to stop the counting of the electoral votes because if you don't count them on that day, they are invalid. So the idea that the during the dust up, the attempt was to overthrow the electoral process in this country by delaying it with the attack. Isn't yeah, pretty uh, well if, thought if, out. If that's not anti-American, what is in D.C.? The team's in D.C. Where the attack happened. And this is his opinion on it. I, I can't tell you how stupid this sounds to me. And I cannot, ex I, I don't know because I don't think he should be fired because you should not be fired for a political opinion. That is your opinion. And you are entitled to it. 
because that's what this country gives you the right to do so. But the public consumption of these quotes are utterly, utterly should be everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, I mean, it just, it, it becomes one of those things to me. It's like uh, three seconds in, I tur- it was just a, I turn the channel type of thing. It's just, uh, it's just another soundbite from another person that really isn't relevant to anything about it. That's just, you know, fed to us. And it's just like, oh, this guy doesn't really have a point. So uh, another guy without a point. And, and oddly enough, if it was, uh, if it was, you know, you know, it was my right to say that. But if it was the player, if it was the player exercising some type of opinion about something, then they would be told to shut up and play football or whatever, and and leave it to football, and leave it on the football field. We don't need to hear it. So, um, you'd think a coach at that degree, especially an assistant in the nation's capital on a team that doesn't have a whole lot to. Um, be bragging about many, many years uh, in, and maybe they ought to just be working on trying to put a winning football team on the field and clean up the skeletons in the closet of that front office and the whole mess of all the email scandals that have been coming out from this franchise. So it's almost literally more than a player actually uh, should hear it. A guy like Jack Del Rio should definitely hear, just shut up and coach because that's really what's on the plate here, uh, you know. And so, and because it's just another basic, just, you know, uh, you know, it, it's just a generic take on a overtaken subject. And, uh, you know, people can't see things with their own eyes and, 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 and consume reality. Um, you know, it's not one thing to say, Hey, the things, maybe a lot of things that happened with the George Floyd protest were, 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 were terrible acts. Sure. You can cite many and many have, been, but like to just be like, yeah, yeah that means this is nothing. Uh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Having the <laughs> like, honest, having but, but you love America. You love right. the whole, you love how it's been for 250 years, except on January 6th, you were cool with all that going the down at the behest at the behest of a guy calling for it from from the Oval Office. Okay, all right, whatever, dude. Sounds logical to me. If we, <laughs> the part about the this entire January 6th situation is that if we do not protect what has made this country great. We will lose what has made this country great, and I think the oh, people won't even be a country. The people who are me. the people who are fighting for the quote unquote uh, uh, dust up on behalf of the dust up claim to love this country so much they would rather destroy it than to watch it right. blossom into whatever happens next. So right, because that, that would just be a string of dust ups in every election they don't like. It'll just be little dust ups all over local and federal elections all over the country. It just so that's what it'll lead to. So just let that happen because you know whatever. Dust. Okay. Uh, another another thing that happened in sports anyway. that the Walton family, um, <laughs> the Walton family bought the Denver Broncos for four point six. Billion with a B, four point six billion dollars. With this, my problem, my problem has always been with the Walmart family. Treat your employees better, and I don't give a damn what you do with your money. Walmart is one of the largest employers in the, in in America. 
okay? One of the largest employers in America. They don't get, they, they made up their own version of full-time. They do not give health benefits to their employees. And most of their employees can barely afford to shop at Walmart. There was a long running time where Walmart employees were getting public assistance because they were they were oh, not dog. they were not making they still do yeah they were not making I mean money. they're the, they're one of the most subsidized companies from the government most their their employees are some of the most subsidized they're either on some type of food stamp program or extra income some type of thing some that is actually benefiting them as they program. work just and those laws are lobbied and passed so Walmart can pay less wages so you know I, we we I, I i haven't shopped at a walmart since i can't remember um you know and that's just one thing i've always believed in and it's just like I, everything i've known about them um i've just you know and then if you if you go in to one of those anywhere in like walmart states whoo oh boy that is just that is tre- that's a treacherous you know you could, i mean that is a tough scene in there i had the i had the pleasure <laughs> but think about this one i want to go back to the purchase of the sale because what's crazy is i don't know if you saw this part of it so out of this 4.6 billion when john elway retired he was he was offered 20 percent to buy in with his money and he was offered to either you know find maybe another investor but go in and get 20 percent of the broncos the Pat, Pat, what was his name? Um, you know, the the, the 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 famous owner that passed away years ago. Um, he uh, offered Elway to buy into the franchise as part owner as it was going to be getting, you know, its new stadium, state of the art into the new century. He he refused, invested his money in like car dealerships and other stuff. Had he said yes. He would have made nine hundred million today. Today on that sale, his share would have paid him nine hundred million dollars. Mm. Of yeah. that four point six billion, he would have had nine hundred million of it, and still, most likely, still been in the position he's in as running the team. Good God! For a, the 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 cost of this team, the I mean, something's worth what you pay for it. First and foremost, I don't see the Denver Broncos as a franchise worth $4 billion. I don't, I I guess at some point the purchasing bubble has to pop because there are people who would say you could get eight to 10 million for the Cowboys. And I go, at some point, what's your return of investment? What's return on investment on the Denver Broncos for a family like the Walmart family? Well, I guess you have to be so rich that it doesn't matter because if your brother-in-law owns the Rams and he appears to have endless money, I guess it's, I guess it's not an issue, I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, the, you know, with way financials are, yeah, the Rams, you know, now the Waltons own all the teams in Denver and they're a divorce away from owning the Rams um that that's i mean that's how much that's that's kind of gross in a way uh when you think of it about it on the whole like uh scale but anyway it is what it is but um i don't know man you know on the scale of what teams are worth and if you were to price the cowboys at what they're worth you know the denver broncos 
have a huge, huge, huge fan base. And uh, not only do they own that Colorado right there, I mean, there isn't much around in those other states. There aren't many big cities that have football in many other states that border. So you when you look at, they're like a mini version of the Cowboys in the sense that they, they take up a lot of geographical land with states around them. You know, states like Nebraska, states like Wyoming, states like Montana, states above them and below them and around them that don't have any big cities until really you get to Dallas, right? Or, or if you get, you know, you get to, I mean, you know, Phoenix there. I mean, they're, Seattle. I mean, they own a lot of not just Colorado fan base. So they're rabbit up there. You know, they, they, the, the, even through the bad years, those Bronco fans uh, come out, they show out, they buy their merchandise. Um, and so eventually, I think the economics, even if they've overpaid in a sense, I think just the way football is going and is gone. And when you see, you know, the popularity of it on TV and what people are willing to do and in these new stadiums and how they're filling them. And uh, uh, I think that the Waltons probably know, hey, you know, um, this is going to be in the long run a a big moneymaker. And if they've already owned these other teams in town, I mean, they're just building off of that kind of empire. I just don't think that... When we're talking about what these teams are worth, the numbers are getting out of control because if they force Daniel Snyder to sell the Washington whatevers they are at that point, that's going to go for more than this because it has to. DC is a, DC's got more money. I, I'm assuming the next owner will be either Jeff, Jeff Bezos more, than, more likely than not. And so you're looking at a guy who has an endless amount of money waiting to purchase something that he that will be forced to be sold so then they will have to make a demonstration on how much it's worth yeah so i mean at five billion dollars for the washington fill in the blanks like this this money is turning into quarterback money now you go well this guy got what (laughs) who got yeah this is like yeah the yeah, the uh, Redskins are about to be the Kirk Cousins of franchises here in a Just second. Money, 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 money. Like what in the heck? I saw, I saw this. I saw this deal as a as, as like a sign of the times for this is like the last coveted rich guy thing. Owning a major American sports franchise or a soccer club, for that matter, around uh, any one of the majors. This is the last bastion of, oh, I own this. Oh, right. you bought another boat? I own the Denver Broncos. Oh, and right. I own the, the Denver Nuggets, and I own the Colorado Rockies. Because you know what, rich people, we, these it's are like record. Tour. It's like having a record label for old white guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, that's, oh. that's what it is. It's like, but all right, I got this label. I got that label. I'm producing this. I'm producing that. It really has become... This like status symbol it is of just saying rich I've guy got thing. a record label, I've got a or I've got a, a clothing line that yeah, because I got one. Because I gotta get one. Why do you have a clothing line? Because I gotta have one. <laughs> if you're a stealer, if you're if you're the Steelers, you have old money. If you're the mm-hmm. Bears, the Packers, like you have old money. Like you don't have the money that the Cronkies do or the Waltons do. 
or any like if the, if you purchased a franchise in the last decade, that level of money doesn't exist with the original eight organizations that started the NFL. It just doesn't. So it's it's weird to see these numbers, man. They blow my mind. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you're right. The, you're gonna have that fourth sale in Washington, most likely to be so. And and if anybody else can overpay, he'll be able to overpay. So that's just gonna, like you said, put salaries at the next uh, franchise at a point where it's like you're paying that for that. Wow. Okay. Like you said, comparing it to the quarterback rush, the gold rush of you know mediocre quarterbacks that we've had signed a gazillion dollar deals Gaz- lately but Gaz- um gazillions of dollars yeah. Maybe somebody, somebody needs to pay us a gazillion dollars but even if they do they don't we'll be back with the second half of brown and lawhead on the mightier 1090 espn ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the podcast i'm john brown and joined by jason lawhead here on the mightier 1090 ESPN. and youtube and radio you can always find the show on Kaplan, from a Kaplan and crew on YouTube and on the iTunes podcast store. Me and my co-host, Jason Lawhead, have been breaking down the sale of the Denver Broncos and it being just another rich guy thing and try to make some sense out of what the hell is wrong with Jack Del Rio. But, you know, the jury may still be out on that particular topic. Jason, what do you think tonight's game will give us? I mean, I think it's got to be – I think this is probably the the game that's going to show you what team is in control of this series and probably will win this series. That, really? that, that's where I think this is right now. Yes. I think this game three – I think had Boston taken the first two in, in Golden State, we would have said, okay, it looks like Boston has total control and they're going to win this series. And if Golden State had taken two – in Golden State, I would feel like, man, it's just a, may probably a matter of time unless Boston can go snatch two in a row back. Um, but so I think tonight, I think if you're the Golden State Warriors, your mindset is we have to win this game. This is a must-win game. And if you're the Boston Celtics, to say, you know – Hey, look, we want to come out there and we want to play the kind of ball we played in game one. But knowing that if you lose this game, you're down, you know, two one and you've you've had that chance to be up two one. So, yeah, I, I really do. I think that this is probably the game that's going to set the tone and and make our winner. Um, now, I, I would say if Boston won tonight, let's say. Uh, I would say that Golden State would maybe still have the better chance to come back and win that series in a long series. But if Golden State wins tonight, I think Boston could be in trouble. And and I hearken it back to the last conversation we had about, you know, uh, other than you take away that fourth quarter and first quarter, um, and that fourth quarter in game one may have just been one of those flukes. They're never coming back. They've packed it in. We're the Warriors, and then – what's Al Horford doing? What What's Marcus Smart doing? What are these guys doing? And before they could figure out what they were doing, the buzzer sound. So big game for the Celtics in the sense that um, can they make this their game to be the team to make the Warriors go, guys, <laughs> this, is, this is not only going to not be easy, this might thing might be impossible. I think that's big on the Celtics' plate tonight, not to go down 1-2, 
uh, in their home building after playing like they played in game one? I honestly, I think the war, if the Warriors win one of the next two games, I think that is probably the window in which they're operating in. Because I don't, Boston has not been very good at home during the postseason this year. They've had a loss with the exception of the first round. And I think in every round at home. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know what to make of them at home. And so I'm not sure that they even have an advantage tonight. Because normally, because Boston, it's going to be loud. It's going to be energetic. But it's all, that's also a smart crowd. And they've seen, they've seen the wind be sucked out of them before. And the Warriors, like no other team, can suck the wind out of you in eight minutes. Because I'm, I'm like you. The Warriors have been better in almost every quarter of this entire series, with the exception of one barrage that... Yeah, they the, the, they've either played them equal or better in every other quarter other than the fourth. Because the Celtics had the exact same shots they had in game one and game two, and they didn't make them. And so if, if you're watching that, I'm in, a, I'm in a boat of what happened in the fourth quarter was a fluke as well. I don't think they're ever going to do that again. And if you can't, and it took that to beat them. It took that to beat the Warriors. And because the next game, you got boat raced. Now a lot right. of people will say, "Oh, because they get the split." Blah 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 blah. I don't. I, I disagree with that. I think the Warriors got their rhythm and their timing together, and so now you've given. I think that you're going to see a better game from Clay Thompson, and I think you're going to see the inability for the Warriors to to or the inability for the Celtics to slow down Steph Curry. I think that's one of the unspoken things that people aren't talking about. Like, Marcus Smart was the defensive player of the year. Okay, let me repeat that. Marcus Smart was the defensive player of the year. Steph Curry is killing the Boston Celtics. Killing them. They went away from the ball movement offense to an ISO pick and roll type of offense surrounded by Curry's ball handling and his shooting and his floor spacing. And the Warriors floor spacing. And Marcus Smart's been nowhere to do anything about that. Two points in the last game. So I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to expect. I don't know. I think this is the game. I think this game separates the two. I really do. I think this is a, 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 a game, you know, seven within a game three in a, in a sense. And I think uh, both teams kind of, I think both teams kind of almost know it. I think both teams know that whatever comes out of tonight, uh, is going to be probably the the game that decides this series, the upper hand, and then, you know, taking this thing and closing it out. Um, but, yeah, Boston's got to be better on on Steph. They've got to be better at, at chasing the three-point line. They got lucky that they got cooking so much in that fourth quarter um, because, you know, take away that fourth quarter – the, the Golden State has played good defense. I mean, they held yes. them to 87 points. They beat them by 21. And, and like I mentioned earlier, they played those two games at 108 and 107. That's the number they want to be at, 110, 112, ideally. And then you've, you're winning with them in your rearview mirror, right? But, like, that's where you want to be, 108, 107, 109. And you want that defense that you've played in game two and, and most of the game in game one to be the the, the thing that turns – turns the results uh, i mean golden state hadn't even shot very well from the line yet uh they're not you know they've been you know outgunned at the three-point line until 
they started getting cooking there and clay uh, you know once they started getting that ride rolling um is when they really started you know statistically being up in the three-point game so I mean, if they get those two things going, you know, forcing Boston into some foul, getting themselves to the line, because Boston is trying to impose some physicality. They're committing fouls, and they're committing yeah. fouls early in this yes. series. Both games, they've committed a lot of fouls early. So but where where Golden State really didn't connect very well. I mean, they didn't make them pay, that's for sure, at the line. So if Golden State starts making them pay at the line, and then they can't stop that pick-and-roll game with Curry, and then, you know, Curry's – He's he's ready to take the ball downhill too off that pick and roll and get himself a little floater shot in the paint and draw the defense. So Boston's got a lot, you know, and they've got an experienced team that's seen a million of these road games, big road games. They've seen them in Cleveland. They've seen them in, you know, Toronto. They've seen them against some of the best players in the league. So uh, they're not afraid of Tatum, no matter how well Tatum goes, even if Tatum comes out and has a, you know, 50 point night in them. They've seen that before. I I am looking at tonight's game and I'm ready to say something <laughs> that I, I, it is as predictable as predictions come. I think Draymond Green will either foul out of this game or Draymond Green will be ejected from this game because I, he's not going to play well tonight. He's no, he's no, he's drawn too much attention to himself whether it be via the referees by saying he he does get preferential treatment from the referees. That was probably the dumbest thing I've heard a, yeah. a player say. Can't believe. No, the ref said that, didn't he? No, the Draymond jet. said that about referees. Well, right. Okay. I th- I th- and then I thought Steve Javi kind of confirmed it. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Javi said it before Draymond, and Draymond was asked a question in the, right. pre- in the post game. Right. So – Jab, but Jabby was saying that after a technical. Jabby wasn't saying that in over in in the overall scheme of things. Draymond Green was speaking in the overall scheme of things, right? And okay. so now that he said that publicly, as the NBA seesaw goes, now you're going to pay for that. So he's going to either foul out or he's going to tech out, and he's not going to play well. And I think that's going to stagnate the Warriors. So I don't. I think of all the games I expected them to lose, I think this is the one I'm expecting them to lose the most because of the way that Draymond Green has drawn so much attention to himself. He cannot back up all the attention. Again, he's not Steph Curry. He's a solid team defender. He's not Rudy Gobert. He's not some game-altering defender. He works within the offense and he kind of controls the defense. But if you lose control and you get fouls because the referees will have their whistle ready tonight for him, I think it's going to throw off the Warriors and it's going to put them in a, in a difficult place, and I don't know if they can get out of that hole. Wow. So you like the Celtics tonight? I like the Celtics tonight, not for the series, but I like the Celtics tonight only because of Draymond Green's big, fat mouth. Oh, Okay. Um, I think if even if you're right with that prediction, I don't think it I, I think it hinders them less than it used to. I think Wiggins's presence, I think him in there defensively not being he's the anti Draymond does yeah. everything Draymond does and doesn't say anything with a better offensive game. It doesn't say anything and just stays in the game, stays out of foul trouble, keeps defending, you know, keeps working through 
playing maybe a slumpy in his shot or whatever. Maybe he's not getting the shot. He still stays mindful throughout the game. I mean, the Warriors, he's a very integral piece. So I look for Wiggins, even if something goes awry with Draymond. That could even be a good thing for, you know, that could be enough where, you know, Draymond might just muck it up enough. Yeah, either foul out or, or, or get tossed. But before he does, he might have Jalen Brown's head all scrambled. He might have somebody's head all scrambled. He might he might get Robert Williams ejected along with him. Who knows? It could be favorable. Draymond's, you know, look, they they've been able to win without Draymond Green before. Um, you know, they does he make them better, more tenacious? Absolutely. His presence out there for sure, especially if you know, Steph is, is able to play the kind of game Steph plays and Clay can get open. Oh, Draymond's a bear. Um, but they can also play without him. They've got a lot of pieces. You know, you can still stuff a good doll in there. You can find a, a, a Porter, a Otto Porter, the Otto Porter, the minutes. Yeah. Now you're getting GP two playing great basketball, intense basketball right now. And he's another guy. He plays with that kind of intensity. Um, but he's not at that level of 10 that Draymond is, you know, maybe he's, he's cranked down about midway. He's kind of halfway between Wiggins and Draymond, which is a nice kind of just, you know, touch. So occur all those things equal. I like golden state to come out and win tonight. And if Boston does win, it'll surprise me. Um, in the sense that maybe they're ready to, to hoist this trophy. Maybe they're just the better team overall. But I think tonight is going to have to be the night for them to separate themselves. I don't think they come back from two one down um, against this Warrior team because that's you know especially if they can go get this if they, if the Warriors go get this game three it'll be like they never even played that first game it'll be like that fourth quarter never existed they're going to be feeling big on themselves in control you know also during this um, during this this run up. Draymond Green also said something that led to another conversation that happened with Stephen A. Smith and and JJ Redick about oh yeah I saw that about the physicality in the eighties and the nineties in comparison to now. I I like JJ Redick on TV. I think he's smart. I think he analytically and I think his basketball IQ is absolutely high. I love the way that he attacks other people. I I think he's great mm-hmm. for television. But you cannot compare and say that these guys could have played in the 80s and the 90s. There are about three or four guys, and Draymond is not on the list. His press conference comments of, yeah, there were three or four guys that were filing people really hard, but they probably knocked out the person who said that. Yeah, dude, and they'd have knocked you. You you wouldn't have been tough mm-hmm. in that. You wouldn't have been tough in that era. You just wouldn't have been. His, his game, Draymond Green. And I and I hate that I have to always always approach it from this approach. Draymond Green's skill set one, even in the modern day NBA, only works in Golden State. Two, Draymond Green could not have existed in the ninety in the early nineties and in, in, in the the eighties, in the late to mid eighties, because the game was far too slow. Well, the game, yeah, which which created a lot more banging. Remember, yes. they used to use that word. I'm not using it in the sense of like, you know, I'm using it in when you were banging on guys, right? Yes, the game was slower. You know, today's physicality is they come out 
and they might just get in, get in and get on you, but they're off of you. It's a flow check. game. It's checking. It's almost like, you know, low, low level contact uh, soccer in a sense where they come up and they body check, they get your hands all over you. And that's really what they're doing. And they're maybe like pushing you above a screen. But back in the other days, it was, you know, two, three screen guys coming at. And then it was a, a guy like Rick Mahorn. And there was these guys and, 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 and you know, they were banging on you over the course of the whole game. Anthony Mason's Charles Oakley's. I mean, these guys were leaning on you and it was almost like the fourth quarter was a 15th round of a heavyweight fight at that mm -hmm. point in those days, because there was so much of that because you're right. The game was slower. So the possessions were slower. If you missed a shot back in that day, it reset to 24. You could throw it back out front and start beating on dudes for a possession again. Here. It didn't reset to 14. And so uh, there was less possessions and, and a lot of different reasons for, for the game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and the, a lot of those guys, the Barclays, they, I mean, these guys had to have, you know, more than just that. They couldn't just be goons. Huh. Right. Um, you know, they had to bring more to the table. They had to have, uh, uh, you know, I'm not saying Draymond has a low basketball IQ. I think he has a high one. But it's it's in a different era, and I, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe he would have adapted, but I don't think he had the offensive skills uh, to get away. Because with the game not spread out, I think things that he does well for the, like you said, being in that system with Golden State, wouldn't you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get them things out of him at, at the kind of um, pace or the frequency um that you get them on get out of them with multiple possessions and more movement but yeah so it's interesting because i still believe and i i think jj reddick's great too but i you know i would i would contend that um there was way way more just you know uh physicality that just wore on players over the course of a game made it tougher throughout the game physically than a guy that the way Draymond Green's really playing. I mean, he's more of a pest. Yes. Yeah. Than he is. Thank than you. Then he is an enforcer. You know, those guys were enforcers. Back that is then. the perfect word to use. Draymond Green is more of a pest. He is no, in no way, shape, or form should be considered a enforcer. A enforcer does not exist in today's modern day NBA. It is not a thing. They legislated it out. You cannot have an enforcer in today's game because he cannot play. He will be teched out of the league. He will be suspended mm -hmm. and fined out of the league. It, it, the NBA didn't want that. They saw that brand of basketball as unentertaining and went to this brand of basketball where now everybody shoots threes. And so the, game's, the game has more free flow to it. The game is more wide open. The style and skill is more on display now than it's ever been. So the guys now are more skilled than ever. But the in certain ways, athletically, they have more athleticism. The over the, right? The, the combination of right. all the guys who can dribble, all the guys who can shoot. Like perimeterally, perimeterally, they yes. are more skilled. Yes. They are more. They have more skills around the perimeter than they ever did. I wouldn't say they're fully more skilled at a lot of different things, but 
things have gone extinct in the game. You know, the that interior, little, the interior that, of that, that little high almost. post rub screen pull up for the mid range off the pass. I mean, those kind of plays aren't drawn up anymore because everybody's five feet farther out standing even, there waiting for something to happen. Even the low block, like for, yeah, I honestly believe if David Robinson got drafted tomorrow, he'd average 40 points. He averaged 40 points. He could make a mid range jumper and with his speed, he could get to the basket body slam you into the rim and he could also play with his back to the basket so mm -hmm. and david robinson wasn't even and he would have developed uh he would have because he had a good he had good range actually yes. for his jump shot he would have only worked on that even harder i mean those guys those great jabbar was a great jump shooter these guys didn't go out there because that was that wasn't the it way wasn't i mean the game. You, you set them up for that kind of success, you tell you drill them to be more of a perimeter player. So many guys could have crossed over and played that. I always say Bird would probably average. The, he'd probably lead the league in assists. His point Bird would go. His points would go down per game because he he would he he purposely would do it. He might he might go down to a more of a twenty per game, but but Bird with today's just so many guys. I mean the, the amount of open movement. Men, he, he, he would average close to 20 assists a game if he wanted. I say all the time, a lot of guys from the 90s and the 80s can play now. Not a lot of guys from now could have played then. Right. Just due to the physical nature of the game. Like there are a, there are a bunch of, like Steph Curry could have played in any era because his sure. ability to shoot is undeniable. That is a gift right. that is generational. It carries. LeBron's physical abilities carries. Somebody like, I don't well, Dame Lillard's great peer. Somebody who everybody loves, like Bradley Beal or Zach Levine. Harden? Hell, I don't know. If Harden, I, don't, Harden, I, don't know if I don't even think Anthony Davis could have played then. Too fragile. Yeah, Anthony would struggle. Too fragile. I mean, we're not fragile. Yeah. We're not fragile at all. We're we're tough enough to see y'all next week. We'll probably have more to say about the finals by then. Brown and Longhead. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of y'all week, man. Peace.